the nation for the best and brightest future of our country, our world, and our eternal souls. And what could be more important than that? So here in the season of Lent, we are talking about the virtues. And hey, happy Feast of St. Joseph. Well, okay, almost. We are one day away. Tomorrow, March 19th, is the official feast day of the great St. Joseph. And so I'd like to shift the focus today of our series on the virtues to look at the virtues of Saint Joseph, this deep well of the mystical life. You know, mystics move about in this earthly life, but they experience it all in a tangible way with and for Jesus Christ. And certainly Joseph and Mary were the trailblazers of this new form of living called the mystical life. Of this we can be sure. You know, the prophets of old lived by the voice of the Lord, directing them to do and say things that would lead the people of God back to, to justice and to right living and right relationship with the Lord. But Mary and Joseph were truly trailblazers, you know, the pioneers in what this new type of prophetic life would be. And that is the mystical life spent all with the incarnate divinity, the eternal word made flesh in the womb of Mary and born not by the seed of Joseph, nor by any physical contribution on his part, save for the indisputable fact that without Joseph to protect and claim Mary as his bride before the birth of Christ, it would have been nearly impossible for her to fulfill her mission as the mother of the Lord and the first and best disciple of Christ who eventually became queen of heaven and earth. You see? So this unfolding of the life and august dignity of the Blessed Virgin Mary simply could not have happened without the natural protections of Joseph, the man chosen by God for this purpose, to be her chaste and hardworking spouse, Joseph, the foster father of Jesus Christ, and in a sense, the Savior of the Savior. I say this because indeed the life of Jesus was in danger, almost from conception, as it is for many children in the womb today. You know, this was, of course, not by election of the child's mother, which would be unthinkable, and which, if it were thinkable, only highlights the enormous and requisite gratitude we owe the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, for being the mother of Jesus, for giving us the gift of Jesus' life, which she received lovingly, she did not terminate with an abortifacient drug or some other form of grotesque destruction of life in the womb that is so nonchalantly practiced today in the deep depravity of some people's minds. No, she accepted fully and completely, saying, Fiat, let it be done to me according to thy word, the word of the angel Gabriel, and the word that is the eternal word, right? So we simply can't even imagine the mystical life of Joseph and Mary with Jesus. But we can try, and try we must, for really it is our duty to reflect on such mysteries of life and human history. You know, these people are walking books of divine revelation, Mary and Joseph. And today we want to take a look 
a Joseph, the just and the chaste. Okay, this is in fact the title of Joseph given to a mystic in Itaparanga, Brazil, and I believe in the 1990s. So Joseph, the just and the chaste was given to him. And this is um, the prayer we have um, from this mystic in Brazil. I'm going to share with you, share it with you right now. It's like the Hail Mary, and it goes like this. You may have heard this before, but hey, it's great to hear it every day. So here it goes. This is a, a prayer that was given to us by heaven about St. Joseph, and it goes like this. Hail Joseph, son of David, the just and the chaste. Wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father and guardian of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Church, pray for us and obtain divine wisdom for us from God, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So I thought you would enjoy that prayer. So um, let's move on now. Joseph, the deep well of the mystical life, is now at the center of our church year as we move through what our Papa Francis has declared to be the year of St. Joseph, all right? From, uh, you know, this is through 2021, from November 2020 to November 2021. So it's a shame that we don't have more days than just 365 days this year to focus especially on this great saint. Perhaps we shall again have a year of St. Joseph in the future. But for now, let's drink in every bit of it we can, this great gift of a year of St. Joseph and focus for our Christian walk um, uh, in the Father's family together on this beautiful father figure, Joseph. You know, we're all invited and welcome into the Eternal Father's family. And we, we want to acknowledge his paternity over us and follow the rules he gives us for his divine household. Um, our Heavenly Father is a merciful Father. And uh, if you break a rule, or, or more importantly, the spirit of a rule or a law in your heart, you can change and return to right relationship with the head of our spiritual family and household, the Eternal Father. And Joseph is like this. Uh, he's a symbol of this beautiful fatherhood. Now, um, to, to be in right relationship with the Eternal Father, you have to try. You know, it takes some reflection, some self-examination and study. And in a sense, you know, you have to really imbibe the way of return to the Father in your heart and in your daily life. And Jesus Christ embodies that way. Um, in the home of the Holy Family, together with Joseph and Mary, his parents, and he taught this and sacramentally established it this way by his public ministry. Jesus Christ is the way of true blessedness and sanctity for all people to follow. So this is the beauty of um, reflecting on St. Joseph. He really is a model and an image of the Eternal Father and his welcoming um, holy household. Uh, we're all called into it. If you're baptized, you, you've been baptized into this holy household and family. And you're called to be a member of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, to live in the beauty of their sacred, uh, loving, and chaste hearts. 
right? The sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary, and the chaste heart of Joseph. They form this beautiful mystical reality that is the Holy Family, and we're invited in it, into it, right? Okay, so um, Jesus Christ has embodied uh, this way of true blessedness, which is um, living in virtuously in a family. And so Mary, who's technically speaking the first person on this way that he taught in, in a natural sense, Mary needed St. Joseph very much to fulfill her mission. And although the Lord could have protected her in any way he saw fit, the august divine trinity selected St. Joseph for this important mission of protecting the mother of Jesus and of raising Jesus through childhood to adulthood. Now consider that it was the virtue of St. Joseph, Jesus' true father in every sense of the word, save in the matter of conception, that Jesus himself learned and imitated throughout his life. You know, he, he imitated the virtues of St. Joseph. You know, his, he, uh, um, he imitated the deep and reverent and tender love that Joseph had for Mary. And, and he showed this also to Mary and showed it to other women as well because of her. Jesus learned that from Joseph. Jesus' humility and his meekness, his fortitude, something we've been talking a lot about lately, his fortitude in enduring trials and not labors of hard work, he learned from Joseph. And especially, think of it, he, they worked with wood in their wood shop, in their carpentry shop attached to their home. You know, Jesus learned uh, to love the wood that would be the means of his torturous stumbling walk through Jerusalem to the hill of Calvary and that means of excruciating martyrdom that Jesus endured on the cross in fulfillment of his salvific mission and message to us. His message that he is God himself and God himself loves us so much that he would die a gruesome death to save us from the perils and misfortunes of our own sins and of death outside of the family of the eternal father. You know, so the wood is at the center of that and Joseph taught Jesus how to gently work the wood in the wood shop. So imagine when Jesus came to that cross, there was a sense in which maybe there was even a consolation. Ah, the wood that, that my father who's now gone, that I, whose loss I grieve, you know, he taught me how to gently use it and, and, and work this wood. And so he clung to that and probably in remembrance of his own dear heavenly or natural father. How Jesus must have looked at that wood of the cross and thought of Joseph, Joseph, you know, how could he have not? And even then, carrying the cross and being nailed to it, there must have been a deep recollection of the many comforting times being with his father Joseph, the many hours together in the woodshop, carefully and most patiently working wooden things into something creatively wonderful and beautiful to behold. You know, that's what Jesus did on the cross, the wood of the cross. He did it with his father Joseph most of his childhood and into adulthood, and that was somehow a background lesson for the beauty that he gave us in uh, the cross, in his embrace of the cross, and his real, you know, performance of 
great labors of love for us, which was, uh, you know, an example for all time for us. Um, it was a performance of, of um, phenomenal um, perfection. And he, that started, I think, in the woodshop with his father, Joseph. Well, we do not know when Joseph died, but we can be sure that it made a deep impression on Jesus. You know, the way a person dies is generally a reflection of what they have inside them. You know, the virtue they have spent a lifetime acquiring or perhaps failing to acquire. In Joseph's case, no doubt there was a humble recognition of his position of lowliness before God the Almighty, his gratitude for having been allowed to participate in the great mystery of living with God Most High in the form of God incarnate, in the person of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus Christ, and his glorious Immaculate Mother, Mary. So do not think that Joseph was kept in ignorance about all this. Um, you know, if you would honor your parent with love and simplicity of transparency and affection, Jesus would do so all the more, and with a height of perfection we can't even imagine. Jesus was Joseph's faithful and obedient son. He would not have left him in ignorance. He, he, he who was the light of the world would not have left Joseph in the dark, so to speak, but rather would have enlightened him about the many mysteries they were experiencing in the flesh together on earth. So what an amazing life Joseph had. Certainly it was a spur to practice great virtue. Did you know something? Um, according to history, Joseph was truly of the line of King David. He and his brothers were royal descendants of the most illustrious kind of the great King David himself. And it was from this line that the Messiah was prophesied to come. Indeed, it is believed that both Joseph and Mary were of the line of David. Now, it appears that according to accounts of Joseph's life given to mystics, Joseph's brothers were much like those of the ancient Joseph of the Bible, Joseph the son of Jacob, who became Israel. So in the case of ancient Joseph, his brothers envied him so much, do you remember, that they stripped him of the beautiful cloak his father had given him and threw him in a cistern to die. And then they decided to betray him and sell him to Egyptian slave traders instead of killing him. And it was by this way of tribulation that Joseph landed in Egypt and from there eventually saved the known world from famine recall that he prepared and stored the wheat which became the great gift of life to the world. He gave bread to the world at a time of famine and he compassionately forgave his brothers the injuries he received at their hands. Such is the Saint Joseph of the Old Testament and so too is the Saint Joseph of the New Testament. You know, um, he was apparently also ill-treated by his brothers growing up. And you know, we can see a bit of this backstory emerge in the now famous matter of his rejection by all his family members and relatives when Joseph and a very pregnant Mary arrive in Bethlehem and there is no room for them anywhere to stay. Not one relative would take them in. So what a blow to St. Joseph. 
How discouraging that must have been to experience after so many long years away and after so long and painstaking a journey to Bethlehem, to experience again the petty jealousy and cruel rejection of his own family members. There must have been, oh, a great number of interior pains and sorrows Joseph brought with him into that great night. That great night when at midnight in the piercing cold, the Savior of the world, God incarnate, was born in humble little uh, Bethlehem, the house of bread. Beit Lechem, that's what that means in Hebrew, is the house of bread. So like the ancient Joseph, our chaste New Testament Saint Joseph gave bread to the world, Jesus Christ. Now, barring Saint John, who leapt in the womb to begin his ministry of evangelization, announcing the presence of Jesus, you know, already in utero, when Mary visits uh, her cousin Elizabeth. Saint Joseph, barring barring uh, Saint John, Saint Joseph was really the first male evangelist, and it was he who brought Jesus, the heavenly manna to the world, to the shepherds, to the wise men, to the citizens of Bethlehem who came to see him, and the citizens of Egypt, to which they swiftly fled because of the hatred of Herod. Together with Mary, Joseph brings still the bread of life to all of us, right? So it is said that perhaps Joseph had to die before Jesus' public ministry because, among other reasons, his tender heart would not have been able to bear his own son's crucifixion and death. And also to see his beloved wife Mary suffer so much in dignity and sorrow beyond all telling, Joseph couldn't have handled it. His, his heart was made so tender. I think that's um, a really powerful um, point to meditate on for us because we can go to St. Joseph he loves with a great tenderness. He's a father just like the eternal father, and he loves us tenderly. He's also an image of that tender love of the eternal father. If you feel like you can't go to God because you've offended him so much, remember he has a tender heart, just like you know he's, he manifests in the heart of Saint Joseph. You can go to him. You can turn to him. Go to Joseph. Go to your eternal father. Okay, so we've been talking about virtues, and Joseph embodied every virtue well. And I can say this with confidence because Jesus would have seen to it. Jesus is the font of all virtue, the perfection of all virtue, and he taught his parents this way of virtue. You know, Jesus, who was God in the flesh, played both the role of teacher and divine inspiration in the home of Nazareth, Nazareth, while at the same time playing the role of a child, of actively receiving instruction and practicing the human art of obedience and of learning and practicing what is learned. With Joseph, Jesus practiced all the virtues. And so the Holy Family of Nazareth was a little monastery or a little domestic church in which all the worship of the triune God was offered from their pure hearts like altars. And that daily worship included the daily practice of every virtue, principally the cardinal virtues we are studying and the theological virtues of faith, hope, and extraordinary heroic and tender love 
for one another and for their neighbors. Now, can you imagine having the Holy Family as neighbors? Imagine, maybe you in fact, in a sense, do. Could they be living right next to you in some way? You know, we think about uh, what Mother Teresa did, and she saw Jesus in everyone. She saw Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poor ones. So, um, you know, not everybody technically is Jesus, but everybody, in a sense, is, in a mystical sense, is part of the body of Christ. And Jesus wants to live in us, and he wants us to take care of others as if we were taking care of him. So how often have we unwittingly encountered angels, as it were, among us in our house, showing hospitality to those who come to us? Perhaps it's like uh, receiving the Holy Family of Nazareth. You know, Venerable Mary of Agreda, she writes of some of the magnanimous and humble acts of kindness that Joseph and Mary and Jesus showed to their neighbors wherever they lived. And so we can certainly emulate them today, and especially this week as we ponder uh, you know, these virtues of St. Joseph and the Holy Family. So we have been studying this Lent, the cardinal virtues of temperance and fortitude especially. And imagine what a temperate man Joseph must have been to produce such a son with the supreme mastery of himself. So evident in the greatest test of temperance and fortitude known to mankind, that of his own passion and death, which we will soon meditate deeply upon on Holy Week and at the Easter Triduum those three days of remembrance from Good Friday through Easter Sunday when Christ um, uh, rose gloriously from death as he said he would. So um, this too he must have rehearsed in some sense with Joseph this moment of giving his life. You know, He must have seen it when Joseph was dying. Joseph gave his life. And how heartbreaking it must have been for Joseph to leave Jesus and Mary. You know, most of us think of going to Jesus and Mary upon our death, but not so with St. Joseph. He had to leave their real presence, a tangible presence he had enjoyed daily for decades when he died. How difficult that must have been. And, you know, to know that they were going to endure the tribulations and the sword of sorrow prophesied by Simeon in the temple, you know, when Jesus was just an infant, You know, all of that was pressing on Joseph's mind and heart. And all those long years, the thought of it must have tortured Joseph. In the presence of Jesus and Mary, Joseph lived out his vocation as a husband, father, provider, and protector with a heart made extraordinarily sensitive by the perfection of every virtue they practiced in their home. His chaste heart was a deep well of virtue and it brought forth incomparably sweet choruses of all the virtues, singing in harmony with one another to produce his daily expressions of heroic love for Jesus and Mary. Joseph, as we said, was the true image of the Eternal Father in a way that that Mary was not and is not. Joseph was a man and is a man, the model and example for his son and for all men. 
You know, in the tender benevolence of the Almighty Father, Joseph was called to image the Father in a way that no other person in the world ever did or ever will. You know, as the Father of the true, only begotten divine Son. You know, what a mission Joseph had. Now, from Joseph, Jesus learned patience. The patience he would need uh, to endure with love those who betrayed, rejected, beat, mocked, and killed him. Jesus was well prepared for that moment because he had a good father who rightly trained him in this art of patience and in the art of every other virtue. You know, is this the way you treat your spouse and children and neighbors? Um, is it important uh, for you all as you as you uh, think about training your children, do you train them in virtue? You know, is it important how you model virtue? I think it is. A, a picture is worth a thousand words, they say, and what your child sees you do or experiences from your heart and mind is the greatest teacher of all. I mean, there's almost nothing more impactful. Parents have an inestimable gift as the first and primary teachers of their children. You know, if there are rogues doing horrible things in the world, it is because somehow, somewhere, there was a failure in the home life, a breakdown in the practice of virtue. So, you know, I'm not blaming parents who have kids who grow up and do bad things, but, you know, our culture has taken a lot of power out of the hands of of parents and we send our kids to school for many 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 hours of their lives and they have other people other than their parents and their you know brothers and sisters and their their home life educating them you know so you can have good parents and you can still have kids that don't come out right because in part because our society has also abandoned virtue and of course that's why we're doing these reflections on the life of virtue because i really do believe that's how we can take back our nation right? It's, you know, for the best and brightest future of our country and our world, and of course our families and our eternal souls. So some people may think that this series on the virtue is a bit ancillary to the more important business of living life on earth today, but, you know, I say that there's nothing more important in the world today than the practice of virtue. Virtue is the means by which we become truly human and not animal you know, by which our humanity is set free from vice and mere instinct and perfected in love for the great benefit of us all and, and for all eternity, for the whole world. You know, virtue matters. Who we become matters. And it matters in the littlest of things, the smallest of actions, our most seemingly insignificant words or intentions, and in the slightest movements of our heart's affections or priorities. This is where life is truly and courageously lived in all these little details. And this is what the holy season of Lent is all, is all about. Reclaiming the victory of mastery over oneself. You know, the mastery of virtue. Of the mastery of every virtue. You know, Jesus says, be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, and we can strive for the perfection of virtue. There's no sin in that. 
So here are the virtues, all right? We have the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity, and the four cardinal ones, prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. These are the main ones. And from these main virtues, we have the following. Okay, listen closely. Honesty, humility, meekness, moderation, modesty, orderliness, self-control, affability, courtesy, generosity, gratitude, kindness, loyalty, obedience, patriotism, prayerfulness, respect, responsibility, sincerity, trustworthiness, good counsel, good judgment, firm action, circumspection, that is careful consideration of things, docility, a willingness to be taught, and foresight, pre-planning, industriousness, magnanimity, magnificence, patience, and last but not least, perseverance. So as you can see, we still have a way to go in pondering all these glorious virtues. So perseverance is required in this series. So here is the crux of the gospel way. All of these virtues are what comprise beatitude or blessedness in this life and in the next. We are happy when we practice these virtues. And that is why we are taking pains together to reflect on them. It is for the sake of your happiness and mine, and indeed the happiness of those around us. For when we are virtuous people, marriage is good, families are united, workplaces are good, the church is good, the triumph of justice and true liberty is secured in society, and we are truly on the way of the good life of a life well lived. So let's continue to build lives of virtue and to leave, as St. Joseph did, a legacy of virtue, a legacy which Joseph's son, our Lord himself imitated, and indeed which we are now called to faithfully and prayerfully imitate. It started with the humble, chaste, and wise Saint Joseph. It can start with you too in your own home. So let's pray for this grace. Saint Joseph, foster father of Jesus Christ and true spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary, help us to be more like you. Help us to imitate your love for Jesus and Mary and to place them together at the center of our lives, serving them with all our hearts and minds and strength and following their example of loving God and neighbor to heroic perfection. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Well, I have one last thought for today and it's this. You know, often 
wives do not understand their husbands. Sometimes women in the workplace do not understand men in the workplace. But wives especially, they want their husbands to think like they do, like women. But they are men. So, you know, let's have these wives, you know, maybe it's yourself, look at St. Joseph and study his worries and his responsibilities. He is an objective model and a heightened example of the worries and cares that are intrinsic to the heart of your man, the man in your life. So accept that a man's mode of spirituality is quite different from that of a woman, just as St. Joseph's role in the Holy Family was unique and his mystical life in prayer with God was quite different from that of Mary's. You know, their lives were both quite valid and most necessary for the salvation of the world, for the salvation and edification of us all, of our families and of the whole world. Um, so let's give the men in our lives room to be men and to relate with the Lord in ways that are unique to masculine nature. All right. Well, that's all for uh, today. Um, I hope this reflection has been a blessing for you. Uh, don't forget to share it with someone else uh, you know who might benefit from it. And uh, as always, I keep you in my prayers and please keep me in yours. Well, that's all for now. God bless you. Bye now. Thank you.